19. Uh, uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, start with prayer. We always start with prayer, but we're going we're, we're to pray for a specific situation uh, that, that is going to be an unspoken prayer request. How many of y'all uh, know that God knows what unspoken prayer requests are? Uh, there's a really, really serious uh, unspoken prayer request, and I don't, I don't normally do this just with any, but this is a, this is a different deal. And uh, I need you to help me pray. I, I need let's all pray because it's gonna. If it, it, this situation will affect a lot of people, and uh, and uh, I, I told the people that we would be praying and we would we would bring it up to the Lord. So how many of y'all will help me right now pray for this specific unspoken prayer request? All right, let's bow our heads and and ask the Lord to help. Father, we know you're well aware of the need. We know you're well aware of the situation, and you you are all powerful. You are almighty, and there's nothing impossible to you. Lord, you said that if we would pray believing, that you would move on our behalf. And God, we have more than one praying. We have more than two praying. We have more than three. We have several in this tent that are praying, seeking your face, seeking, uh, Lord, your power and your touch in this matter. I pray that you will intervene. I pray that you will intervene in such a way that it is obvious that the God of heaven made this happen. Lord, that you would get all the glory and all the power and all the, all the honor and praise for it. God, I pray that you'll move in an awesome way. Lord, bless us tonight as we study your word. I pray that you'll give us something that we need, uh, something that will help us and bless us. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people say it. Amen. All right, let's read. Uh, usually you'll sit down there, but we'll read first. All right, here we go. James 1, uh, verse 18. If you found your spot, say amen. It says in verse 18, Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. In other words, this whole Christian experience that we are going through started with salvation, and salvation started with the word of God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. We heard the word of God. We believed the word of God. The word of God came into our, our being and transformed us, changed us, but it was all God's idea. It says, verse 19, wherefore? Remember how many times I've told you, anytime you see therefore or wherefore, uh, read what was there before, all right? Now, because God saved us, because he put in us the word of truth, uh, because of that, look what it says. My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And everybody say, oh, me. Uh, this is this is this is one of them easy preaching and hard living. Are y'all with me? Uh, slow, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, wherefore, because of that again, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. And be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, he seeth his image there in the mirror, and he goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and there's a bunch of people like that, amen, and bridleth not his tongue, 
he deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God uh, and the Father is this. He begins to describe it. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Father, thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. Bless your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> uh, we've, been, we've been covering and talking about, through the book of James, trials and tribulations, temptations, trials, uh, things that we go through as a Christian, things that we go through in our Christian life and our Christian walk. And, uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's something that is universal for everybody. We all face it. We all deal with it. And he begins to describe it and where it comes from and why we have it, why we have trials, why we have uh, temptations, where do temptations come from, and so forth and so on. Well, now he goes and gets even uh, more specific on how do we deal with them. How do we conquer them? How do we face these trials? How do we, how do we face these temptations in our life? And I, I titled the lesson tonight, uh, The Word to the Rescue. Uh, everything, everything in our life can be solved with the Word of God. Everything. And I'm gonna, I want to I wanna dispel a myth. I want to dispel a myth uh, that good, well-meaning people use all the time and they say this all the time, and it's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily true. The intent is right, and the, and the intent of the person who says it, they got a good intentions when they say it, but it's just not true. I'm, here's, here's what I'm saying. I hear people all the time, uh, when they see somebody that's just, just having a rough time in life or they're doing wrong stuff and it's causing consequences in their life, this is what's always said. This is what's always said. You just need to get in church. You just need to get in church. Like there's some kind of magical dust in this building that when you come in and sit down, it falls on you and, and fixes you. That's just not the case. It's just not. Now, I know, I know what they're meaning. And I know because I've said it, man, you need to get yourself back in church. Because we know if they get in church, they will be in an atmosphere where they can get something. But what happens is, what happens is, is we have the mentality because of that, that if we just come and show up, it happens. If we just come in and get around church people, if we just come in and get around preaching and praying and all that kind of stuff, then we'll be fine. That we don't have to do nothing else. Are y'all with me? It takes more than just reading it. It takes more than just hearing it. And, and, and so that's what I want to talk about. Because, I, 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 see, some of y'all are going to have a revelation. You just, I've been going to church for all these years, and it just hadn't seen. Because there's a problem. There's a problem. And he talks about it here in James. There's so many people that are deceiving themselves. I, I, I see people. I, I'm... I've been with people and grew up around people who's gone to church their whole life, but they're no different spiritually or in their, their, their level of maturity than when I was a kid than they are today. Because just showing up is not enough. Now, let's, let's look at it. The Word of God. I, 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 put, I put in your notes Isaiah 55 because this is, this is something that we need, to, we need to really grasp in our heart. God is speaking to us in Isaiah 55, 8. He says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Can we all say amen right there? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, that's a long ways, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sin it. Now, what do we need to take from that? He is always right. And see, we'll read this word. We'll read this word, and as we study this, this is going to just open our eyes to a lot of things. And sometimes we don't like what we read. Now, there's been times, there's been times you've heard the word of God and you thought God was crazy. You thought, what is God expecting? How could God expect that out of me? I'll tell you what, God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher, and he's always right. He's always right. Write this down. Write this down. When it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to the Word of God, number one, we read it to be wise. We read it to be wise. Number two, we believe it to be saved. We read it to be wise. We believe it to be saved. Number three, we practice it to be holy. Now, here's the thing. Two things that we started the verse, we started the study out tonight, uh, talking about salvation salvation started with the word of god faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of all right so it starts with the word it starts with the word you were saved by the word of god are y'all with me say amen now that's salvation that's not the finished product being saved is not the finished product being saved is not all there is to it there is something called sanctification say that with me sanctification uh, uh, we believe the word to be saved but we practice it to be holy to be holy God wants us to be holy I'm not saying we're going to be perfect but we can strive to be holy he said be ye holy for I am holy are y'all with me and this is what we're going to really talk about in this section of this particular chapter all right the word of God first we see look in verse number verse number uh, uh, 21. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Back up to verse 19. Back up to verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Now, now keep in mind, he starts out in verse 18 talking about the Word of God. So from verse 18 all the way to 27, the central thought, the central subject is going to be the Word of God. Because sometimes we disconnect one verse from the other, but we got to keep it together. Uh, you might have thought that, hey, you know, he, now he's talking about anger. He's just going to talk about relationships. Now, now, now we're not talking about it, but it's not. It's not, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, when it comes to the Word of God, he says, be swift to hear. Be swift to hear. Be slow to, be slow to wrath. Why? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. See, that's holiness. That's what we're trying to accomplish every day, the righteousness of God. We're trying to be what God wants us to be. Not, not the righteousness to get into heaven. We can't earn that. That came on the cross. Say amen. But being right with God 
on a daily basis, all right? Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. I, I've got, I've got a, a buddy down in Florida. It, he's really good buddies with my brother. And uh, he's kind of like a botanist. I mean, he, he just loves messing with flowers and trees. And, and uh, uh, they'll, they'll graft in uh, avocado trees and guava trees. And if you're not a native of Florida, you may not know what I'm talking about. But it's certain kind of trees down there, mangoes and different things. They'll even graft orange trees. And you can, you can take, you can take a, 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 a tree stump that, or, or the base of a tree and put good fruit. You can have one tree and have four different fruits coming out of it. Because they graft it in. They will plant it into that tree. And he's using this kind of terminology with God's Word. If we're going to be holy, we've got to plant God's Word in us. Do y'all see what he's saying? Receive. And the key word here is receive. It's what you're doing right now. I'm tickled to death to see. I was standing outside. I got out a little earlier, and, uh, and I was just watching everybody come in and on a Wednesday night, and I'm thinking, man, this is awesome. People are hungry for the Word. They're coming to study. We're not coming to entertain. We're not coming to hear a bunch of, uh, of anything. We're here to open our Bible. Let's get down and receive the Word of God. Now watch. Now watch. James calls, he calls God's Word the engrafted Word, which means implanted. He kind of uses the, 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 the parable with Jesus with the sower in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, Y'all remember where it says that, that some seed fell on stony ground and some seed fell on hard ground and, 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 and some seed fell on the shallow ground and came up for a little bit and was gone. But then there was, there was seed that fell on good ground. And, he, and this is what he said. The seed was the word of God. The good ground was the heart. And that's, that's how he's using this illustration tonight. Now, uh, Underline, underline this right here. Uh, it says in his parable, Jesus described a fruitful heart which receives the word and allowed it to take root and produced a harvest of fruit. Watch this. The final test of salvation is fruit. Underline that. The final test of salvation is fruit. It's not what you said. It's not, it's not how good your prayer was. Is there fruit? Is there fruit coming from your life? This means a changed life. It's, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become, become new. All right? There must be fruit. Are we seeing fruit? Is there a changed life? A Christian character and conduct. Ministry to others in the glory of God. Uh, the Word of God cannot work in our lives unless we receive it in the right way. That's big time. In other words, it doesn't matter... It doesn't matter how good the teacher is. It doesn't matter how good the preacher is. It doesn't matter how good the delivery is of the, of the sermon or the content of the information. It doesn't matter how good the outline is if we don't receive it in the right way. Now watch what he says. Watch what Jesus says. In, in Mark 4.24, he said, Take heed what you hear. But in Luke 8.18, he said, Take heed how you hear. How many of y'all, how many of y'all uh, have, I, I hate to use this as an illustration, but there are people, there are people in our country right now who are hearing facts, but they're not receiving it. And see, it's not about what the facts are, it's how they are receiving it. 
And see, I can come in here, I can come in here, and I can give you facts, but if you've got a preconceived idea about what I'm talking about, or if you've got a predetermined agenda, or you've got, you're, you're already minds made up about something, when you come in, you're not going to get anything from it. Because it matters how you receive it. And we're going to talk about that. Too many people are in a tragic condition which they are hearing, but they hear not. Neither do they understand, according to Matthew 13. They attend Bible classes and church services, but never seem to grow. If the seed of the Word is to be planted in our hearts, then we must obey the instructions that James gives us right here in this verse. Look in verse, look in, look in verse, you remember I said everything's connected to the Word right here. Verse number 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, when it comes to the Word, when it comes to the Word, keep it in context, keep it connected, when it comes to the Word, be swift to hear. That means ready. That means ready. That means willing. It means come ready to hear. Come with, with, a, with a, an attitude that I want to receive, not with a fighting spirit. Yeah, I mean, you can take this, you can take this verse and you can apply it to relationships. You need to listen to your spouse. Uh, you need to not be quick with your mouth and run your mouth. Uh, you need to not be quick with anger. And that. You could, but this is talking about the Word. And we can't, we can't receive it unless we are swift to hear. You're not... <laughs> people, what's different about this crowd and the Sunday morning crowd is you're here because you want to be here. Now, now, I'm not saying everybody on Sunday don't, the, the, the comes, in case you're listening on the web. Uh, <laughs> but there are a lot of people that come on Sunday because they're supposed to. Because they're supposed to. And they feel guilty if they don't, and they're trying to ease their conscience. And, you know, they come on Sunday because Grandma said to come and Papa said to come, and if you don't, uh, you know, and they think that there, there's a checkoff list in heaven. And, and, and as soon as, if they come, to, you know, they've made their quota for the month. And, and so, are y'all with me? That's why they sit in here and can't wait for it to be over. I wonder how long you going to preach this morning. I wonder what, I wonder what Sonny's has got on the menu. Son, I ain't no Sonny's here. I, I've been home. I ate at Sonny's twice, matter of fact. Uh, that's a barbecue place in Florida. Uh, I wonder what Denny's has got on the menu, amen? Now, what, what are we seeing there? They didn't come to receive anything. They're not, they're not swift to hear. They didn't come with a prayer. They just come out of obligation. Are y'all with me? It makes a difference. I'm telling you, it makes. here's the difference it makes. Uh, my grandmother, my grandmother on my dad's side, uh, you, 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 didn't, you didn't go in the kitchen during, throughout the day and snack on stuff. Because it will ruin your... When you come to the table, she expected you to eat. Are y'all with me? And, and she knew that if you didn't come hungry, you're not going to eat. And so she spent all that time in there to cook. She wanted you to eat. And this is, the, this is what happens in, in the church. You're not going to get something if you're not hungry. And it, Anyway, let's move along because I'm hungry. Amen. Swift. Be quick to hear. In Matthew 13, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We need to be quick, looking for, anxiously. And here's the thing. Expect God to talk to you. Expect God to say something to you. It's amazing to me how we go through the routine and, and just, well, we're in church and we're, you know, wait, wait. But we don't. But what if you were anxiously listening? How many of y'all believe that God is, is, is in this service? How many of y'all believe that, that or, or know that God knows every single thing about you? And every single thing about me, he knows exactly what you need, and he's dying to tell you. But we're too busy, and we're not swift to hear. But if we say, Lord, and you know what? I don't care how bad the preacher is. He can be a sorry preacher. Are y'all with me? Know this. It doesn't matter. God can speak through anything and any. If he can speak through a jackass, come on, say Amen. The problem is, are we swift to hear? Are we looking? Are we listening? Are we anticipating, expecting God to speak to us? All right? Now, swift to hear. Then the second part. He said, slow to. Supposed to be swift to hear. Slow to. Now, we have two ears, one mouth, which ought to remind us to listen more than speak. And you say, well, what is, we don't speak. Why? No, no, no. We may not say it audibly while the preacher's preaching, but we start arguing with God in the meantime. In other words, God will have me preach on forgiveness, and you mad at your neighbor. And when you hear, forgive your brother, seven times 70, and, 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 and shouldn't have all in your heart, under your breath, you're saying, you don't know what he did to me. He ran over my dog, man. Are y'all with me? What do we do? We automatically start arguing with God, even though we know he's right. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this just because I'm trying to teach. I know this by experience. And, and what happens is, what happens is, is the preacher will say something, I know I'm guilty of, and I'm, mind your own business. Boy, it's getting awful quiet in here, ain't it? Yeah, see, last week when I was talking about flannel pajamas and all that, y'all shouting and hollering and all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Getting down where we live now. Slow to speak. Don't argue with God. When God's Word begins to penetrate and pierce our hearts, listen, Proverbs 10, 19 says, He that refraineth his lips is wise. Proverbs 17, 27, He that hath knowledge spareth his words. Instead of, well, I want to say something right there. Amen? If you see somebody's running their mouth all the time, they don't know nothing. Amen? Instead of being slow to speak, the lawyer in Luke 10, 29 argued with Jesus. You remember when he said uh, uh, about who, who, who I'm supposed to be good to and, who, who, what, and all this kind of stuff? Well, well Jesus, Jesus, he is giving him truth. And every time Jesus would give him truth, he'd come back with another, what, well, what if? Or another question. Listen, that's not the attitude we need to have when we come to the house of God. We shouldn't be arguing with it. We shouldn't be putting up excuses. We should just receive it. If it's coming from God's word, it's good. Say amen. amen. Be swift to hear, slow to speak. Then, slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. Do not get angry at God or his word. Proverbs uh, 14, 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. 
When the prophet Nathan told King David the story about the stolen lamb, the king became angry, but at the wrong person. Nathan the prophet said, David, thou art the man. Then David confessed, and he said, I have sinned. In the garden, in the garden, Peter was slow. Now, everything he wasn't supposed to be. He was slow to hear, swift to speak, and swift to anger. And he almost killed a man with a sword. Jesus basically saved all the disciples' lives when he picked up that ear and put it back on his head and, 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 and dealt with Peter and said, chill out, man. You need to back up. Many churches, many churches fight and have issues because of short tempers and hasty words. Now, l listen, there is a godly anger. Anger is not, anger should not be something that we, you know, oh, that's just, it, it's, it's totally a, an emotion from the devil. No, it's not. No, it's not. Anger or, or temper, you know how steel is made stronger? It's tempered. And there, there should be a temper or there should be an anger against injustice and sin and, 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 and people doing others wrong. We should stand up for that. That's what anger comes from. But when anger gets out of control is when we have a problem. And most of the time, most of the time, uh, and you can, you can see this a lot through uh, the Word of God, uh, most of the time we get angry because we think we've been done wrong. And that, never, and that never works the righteousness of God. When you get angry, when you get mad, you never say the right thing. Most of the time, when you get angry and you get mad, you never do the right thing. There's a, there's a, there's a, I, I saw somebody was arrested over the weekend out of, out of anger for, and, and, and is up on charges for attempted murder because of, of, about in a fit of anger. It's amazing. It's like our brain shuts off when our anger gets out of control. Are y'all with me? We got to be careful. I, I asked Dr. McCormick one time, I said, man, when you get under really high pressure situation, because this is not something that the Carter DNA is really good at because we have anger issues. I mean, it's just like Hulk. Don't get the Hulk angry, amen? Don't. And, and I asked him, I said, what, what is the, he said, you have to stay cool, calm, and collected. You cannot make a rational decision. You cannot make a good decision or choice in an emotional high. You can't do it angry. If you do it angry, you will do it wrong. I got Bible. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Are you all with me? Say amen. Now, that's why the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't, don't, we, we've got to, we've got to be able to deal with that. We've got to be able to deal with that. Slow. Now, now keep in, and, and that, some of that's outside rabbits running, but keep in mind we're still talking about the Word of God. Dealing with temptations, dealing with trials in our life, using the Word of God. Now, why, why do you think he said what he said? Because he knows sometimes when we come in for help, it's, it's just like counseling. I can't tell you how many times. I mean, this is over and 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 over again. A lot of people come into my office and they give the symptoms. 
They give the symptoms. This is what's happening. It's just like going to a doctor's office. Same, same principle. You go because you have a fever. You go because you're not feeling good. Your bones are aching. You've got a serious headache. Uh, uh, you've got whatever, runny nose, cough. Not, all of those are symptoms of a real problem. And a lot of times, people want a fix for the symptom. But I pinpoint the problem. And a lot of times, when you pinpoint the problem... You get an attitude. And it's across the board. It doesn't matter whether it's marriage relationship. It doesn't matter whether it's addiction problem. It doesn't matter because when you really pinpoint the problem, and that's what he's saying right here, he knows that if we're ever going to get help, if we're ever going to move forward in our life, if we're ever going to get strength and strong and go forward and get victory over trials and temptations, God's going to pinpoint the problem. And he knows that most of the time we're going to have a attitude. Am I preaching tonight? This is the truth, isn't it? That's why he said, hey, just come in here. Check your attitude at the door. Come in and sit down and say, just tell me what I need to hear. With meekness. This is how we need to come. Not, but, but preacher, all right, that brings us to the last one. That brings us to the last one. Look what he says. Let's lay apart all, and by the way, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. So don't think I'm preaching at somebody. God has to clean my clock all the time. It's just, it's, 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 it's in us. It's in us. When he, when, he, when he dealt with Adam and he dealt with Eve, they had an attitude. It's that crazy woman you gave me, Lord. It's that snake, man. It, it, you know, it's just something we have to fight. It's something we all have to deal with. So, this is what he says in, in verse 21. If, if we're going to be, if we're gonna, uh, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, uh, and we know why we need to do that. Uh, here's what he says in verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness of superfluity of naughtiness. In other words, we've got we to gotta get the garden ready. We've got to get the garden ready. James saw the human heart as a garden. If left to itself, the soil would produce only weeds. He urged us to pull out the weeds and prepare the soil for the implanted word of God. The phrase superfluity of naughtiness gives the picture of a garden overgrown with weeds that cannot be controlled. It is foolish to try to receive God's word in an unprepared heart. Now, now put in your mind a minute. I want you to use your imagination just a minute. Imagine walking up to this plot of land and, and, and the grass and the weeds are that high. And you start planting tomatoes. Are you going to do that? Are you going to drop some seed? You going to drop some okra seed in that? Come on, y'all sleep? What's happening? Y'all hear me? Is this working? Help me. Is that, you said that's foolish, right? That's the way we come to church. Our minds are so full of what we saw on TV. Our minds are wondering who's going to die on the walking dead. I don't understand that. I walk through the living room. And my daughter and girls are mesmerized. I said, what are y'all watching? I turn around and somebody flies a machete and stuff goes everywhere. 
I'm like, God, help us here in this living room. I'm sorry, I'm just venting a little anger right there, amen. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, let's be honest. How many times have we come to this house and we've had everything on our mind but the Word? Our problems, our, our issues, our bills, our, 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 everything you can imagine, our relation, everything... And, and so what we're doing, we're sitting here trying to put seed in just a grown-up mess. And that's what he's saying. If we're going to get anything, let's, let's clean the garden. How do we do that? How do we do that? Here's three things. Here's three things we can do. Number one, by confessing our sins and asking the Father to forgive us. That's the first thing. Man, I, I tell you, before we ever even come in, every service, we ever say, Lord, please forgive me. I do it. I do it. Lord, anything that's going to hinder you from moving today, anything that's going to keep you, anything that's going to quench your spirit, Lord, please forgive me. And he may tell you some things you did that you done forgot about. And you say, Lord, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for losing my temper with my spouse. I'm, I, I'm sorry for uh, catching an attitude in traffic today. Or, 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 and, and sometimes he may tell you something, and you may have to fix it. Mm-hmm. Man, it got quiet again. I've had, I've had a discussion with Tammy before and come to church and open my Bible. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, really? You want to talk to me after the way you talk to her? Sometimes you might have to Sometimes it's, it, it's, it's going to be a little more. Yep, God's going to say, yep, you need, to, you need to confess that to me and I need to forgive it. But now you need to go say how oh, you're sorry. Because digging those things out, digging, let me, let me, let me, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself, getting ahead of myself. Watch this, watch this. This is so good. We confess our sins and ask the Father to forgive us. And I'm so glad he will. I'm so glad he will. If we confess our sin, he is faithful. He is faithful. Amen. That'll preach right there all by itself. He is faithful. Even when we're not, he is. Amen. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Then number two, by meditating on God's love and grace and asking him to plow up any hardness in our heart, now, that's getting serious. Now, watch. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 4, 3 says, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. In other words, let's get this garden ready. There is a verse that talks about the, the, the rain and the latter rain and all that, and, and, and he's talking to Israel, and he talks, about, he talks about plowing, and then he talks about fallow ground. Now, I've, I've, I've watched farmers and stuff, and, 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 and I don't know a whole lot, uh, Y'all know my farming experience, and uh, but I, I was watching them, and, and, and they've got what's called uh, uh, help me now uh, a ground. It's it's just the one blade. Uh, Steve, what's that called? A bottom plow? Is that what that is? The one blade that goes in deep, turning plow. All right, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's got this deep blade that goes way down, and it just rolls it up. How many y'all know what I'm talking about? All right, uh, listen. 
this dude, it, I mean, it takes a big tractor to pull this thing because it goes way in the ground. And, and, and man, it brings up the, the craziest stuff you ever seen. It brings up rocks and clumps of clay and all. And when that baby's done, I mean it, the whole field looks lumpy. Y'all know what I'm saying? That is fallow ground. When that plow goes beneath the surface and brings to the top what you can't see, what you didn't even know was there. Are y'all with? I'm feeling a little God right there. Amen. I'm talking about the sword. The word of God will go way beneath the surface. Because you may look like Ken and Barbie here in church. But the word of God will go where no man can see. The word of God will go deeper into our soul. I mean, even to the joints and the marrow. Are y'all with me? It will go way down and bring to the top. Bitterness, anger, grudges, all this stuff that nobody else can see. And, and by the way, you might not even know was there. I was talking about the other day with somebody, and I said, hey, God may be, God may be showing you you've you got an issue with such and such. Well, I, did, I thought I'd done fix that. Well, apparently you ain't. Y'all with me? God will do that. You'll, you'll think, I didn't know I had an issue with being prejudiced. I didn't know I had an issue with being bitter. I didn't know I had this issue. What happened? The Word of God dug up and it now, now and, and this, is, this is the important thing. It's laid out fallow ground, lumpy ground, rocky ground, bumpy ground. You can't plant that. So now, that, 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 that farmer... He, he takes that bottom plow and he goes way underneath and he turns up and, and, and now then he goes with a disc and he runs over it with a disc and busts it all up. Busts up all the clumps and the rocks and, and makes it smooth and makes it soft soil. Do you know what God says in his word? He, God, the Holy Spirit, will take the bottom plow, the word of God, and go deep into our souls and bring to the top, the surface, the things that are under. But then he says this, you deal with the fallow ground. It's our responsibility to deal with what he uncovers. It's, it's his job to show us our, our, our issues. It's our job to deal with them. You see, this is, this is the difference between being in church and church being in you. This is, this, is where, this is where we start talking about it's more than just coming and sitting in here. Because when you come and sitting in here, God's going to drop the plow and he's going to pull the fur and he's going to show you things in your life you didn't even know was there. But, but then he expects you to deal with it. If you've got bitterness, he expects you to go forgive Hello? So why should I do all that? Don't you want fruit? Don't you want God's favor? Well, I thought I was coming to church to feel better. You will when it starts growing, but son, we got to do some prep work. Amen? Watch, watch, watch. We prepare our hearts for the Word, to, to, for it to do its job and to, to really get productivity by confessing our sins and then by asking God to plow up the hardness, make that ground fallow so I can deal with it. Number three, have an attitude of meekness. 
have an attitude of meekness. He says, <clears throat> receive with meekness the engrafted word. Meekness is the opposite of wrath. When you receive the word with meekness, you accept it. You do not argue with it and honor it as the word of God. You do not try to twist it to conform it into your thinking. Let me read that last part. Underline that last part. You do not try to twist it to conform it to your thinking. Let me tell you, a good ball player is the one who comes to the sideline after he did something stupid, and that coach grabs him by the face mask and chews his ear from one end to the other, and he sits there, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He'll do something. But that one that comes and makes excuses for everything, well, I, 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 just go sit down. You're of no use. You're not going to learn anything. You're not going to grow. You're not going to mature. You're not going to develop because you're not, you won't listen. You know, I wonder how many, how many Christians are, that could be in the game, could be of great use to the Lord, but every time he tries to teach them something, they argue with him. Every time he tries to show them something in the house of God, they argue with him. Well, God, I want it this way. And God's trying to say, it's not going to work that way. Well, God, I want this to happen. And hey, and it happens a lot. Because God don't, listen, he rarely does what I want him to do. But then when it's all said and done, I'm thinking, well, that was a whole lot better than my plan. I mean, if I'd have had it my way, I'd still be in a cornfield in South Carolina right now. But this is a whole lot better than that cornfield. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> We're here. We've got our hearts ready. Lord, whatever you say, you're right. Whatever you say, I'm going to accept it. Now, how many of y'all know that's going to be hard? Y'all with me? I, 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 none of this stuff's easy. God knows none of it's easy. But boy, if we could ever get it, if we could ever get it, It'd make a huge difference. So we have to receive the word. How do we receive the word? With a ready heart. Slow to, slow to speak, swift to hear. I'm coming and I'm ready. I, I've got, I, Lord, I, if you show me, I'll deal with it. I'll, I'll, I'll work on it now. He, in, he puts his word into us. What's the next thing that has to happen? Look in verse number, verse 22. Verse 22. Verse 22 teaches us why being in church is not all there is to it. So when you, next time you say, you need to get in church, you need to say, you need to get the word in you. Y'all with me? Watch. Verse 22. But be ye, help me, but be ye doers of the word and not deceiving your own selves. Isn't that amazing that he uses that kind of terminology? He said, if you just come here and sit in here and you go out and you don't do what you hear, you're tricking your own self. You're deceiving your own. I mean, it's one thing for the devil to deceive us, but it's another thing for us to deceive our own self. Look, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like now he begins to compare. He begins to compare uh, uh, the word, the Bible, to a mirror. He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now watch. 
We're going we're gonna to talk about different, different things to uh, understand how we practice the Word. It is not enough to hear the Word. We must do it. Many people have the mistaken idea that hearing a good sermon or Bible study is what makes them grow and get God's blessing. Hey, I showed up today, Lord. Pour it on me. It don't work that way. It is not the hearing, but the doing. Say that with me. It's not the, but the, that brings the blessing. Too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. If you think you are spiritual because you hear the word, you're only kidding yourself. Now, in the previous chapter, or excuse me, the previous paragraph, we talked about the word being as a seed. He compares it as a seed that's planted in our heart. But now we're talking about a mirror. There's three, there's three references in the Bible talking about a mirror, talking about a looking glass, if you will. And, and we're going to look at how they, how they uh, pertain to us in our Christian walk. First, first here in, in uh, James chapter 1, we find the mirror is for examination. Write that word down. A, examination. We use the word to examine ourselves. What do you do when you stand in front of a mirror? You examine yourself. All right, most, most bathrooms have mirrors in them. You know, you go, and, and, and what do you do? You want to make sure your face is clean or your ladies, if your makeup's where it's supposed to be and uh, if your hair is like it's supposed to be. Are y'all with me? This is not rocket science. This is easy to understand. He's comparing the word to a mirror. What do you do? You go look in that mirror. Is my hair right? Uh, is my makeup where it's supposed to be? And all that stuff, is it? You examine yourself. It reflects your image. And by the way, a mirror is brutal. How many of y'all know that? If ugly's in front of it, that's what you see. I mean the exact thing. Now, why am I saying that? Because when you glance and, and you look into the Bible, it'll show you what you really are. Not what you think you are. Not what others think you are. But what you really are. That's why... That's why Isaiah said, woe is me. It's amazing. It, it, it's, and I'm getting ahead of myself again, but I'm going to go ahead and say it in case I forget it. All through Isaiah in the beginning, he's woe to them, woe to y'all, woe to everybody. But then it says, I saw the Lord. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. What do you do when you see he saw himself as he really was, and then he said, woe is me. There's something about when you read God's Word, I mean, it's a bright light that shows all kind of imperfections. Are y'all with me? Watch, watch. The main purpose for owning a mirror is so you can be able to see yourself and make yourself look as clean and neat as possible. As we look into the mirror of God's Word, we see ourselves as we really are. Now, James, he, he talks about some mistakes we make, some mistakes we make when we look at the mirror. Watch what he says in verse number uh, 23. For if any man be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in the glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and he straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. What did he do? Number one, he just glanced at it. In other words, he's walking by that mirror and said, and just keep right on going. What do we do when we look at the Word? We just glance at it. We don't meditate on it. We don't think about it. We don't spend time with it. 
They do not carefully study themselves as they read the Word. Many sincere believers read a chapter of the Bible each day, but it is only a religious exercise, and they fail to profit from it personally. Please get that. Please, please get that. Let me read that again. Many sincere believers read a chapter of the Bible each day, but it is only a religious exercise, and they fail to profit from it personally. Their conscience would bother them if they did not have their daily reading when, when actually their conscience should bother them because they read the Word carelessly. A cursory reading of the Bible will never reveal our deepest needs. It is the difference between a candid photo and an x-ray. In other words, and, I, and I've done this before. Bless God, I'm going to read five chapters a day. Five chapters. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be... Five, and I did read five chapters a day. And there was times I read to the fifth chapter, and I couldn't remember the other four I just read. And you know what I did? I just went through a ritual. It didn't benefit me none. God's not going to get, when we get to heaven, he's not going to have a checklist seat just how many chapters you read in your lifetime. That's not the point of reading the Bible. The point of reading the Bible is to get it in us to change us. I would rather you read five verses and remember it and think about it and contemplate on it and let it get in you than read 50 chapters a day. Are y'all with me? This is so important. We can't go through the rituals. We can't go through the motions and it not change us. It's got to change us. Um, you see, we look at the Word and we just glance. We look at it carelessly. We read it carelessly. Then the second thing they, they do, they forget what they see. If they were looking deeply enough into their hearts, they would see what they would see would be unforgettable. We tend to smile at the extremes of people back in the days of the great revivals, but perhaps we could use some of that conviction. Remember how saints in the Bible responded to the true knowledge of their own hearts. Isaiah cried, Woe is me, for I am undone. Peter cried, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Job, who was the most righteous man on earth in his day, he confessed in Job 42, 6, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. What's the point? Here's what happens. Here, look at me. Before you go flipping, think, look at me. Look at me. I want you to look at this. I'm standing in front of the mirror. I'm standing in front of the mirror, and, 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 and I got hair sticking up somewhere. I mean, I'm looking like alfalfa. Are y'all with me? And, 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 and I said, you know, I need to pay some attention to that right there. And I go over here looking for some hair gel to put on it, and Tammy calls me. All right, what do you need? Then I go fix whatever she needed done, and I forgot. So I'm going around town looking like alfalfa. Because there was areas that needed attention that I didn't take time long enough to address. Let me put it this way. How many times have you been sitting in this church and the Word of God just laid you open and you seem, boy, I need, to, I need to address that. I need to deal with this, whatever that is, in my life. And boy, in the heat of the moment when the, the preaching is red hot and the Holy Spirit's just, boy, you feel it. And, but then you, then, then you get out and, and you don't address it. You don't deal with it quickly. We have a tendency to forget. 
And now we've deceived ourselves thinking everything's okay. Now, now, now how many of y'all will not leave me hanging and say, Preacher, you're not the only one that's done that before? So what's the point? When God shows you something, deal with it quickly. Deal with it quickly. Don't let no grass grow under your feet. Get it done. If there's forgiveness that needs to be done, get it done. If there's some loving that needs to be done, get it done. If there's a situation you need to deal with, get it done. When God reveals it to you, make it happen. Why? Because the purpose of this book is to show us who we really are. Number three, they not only merely glance, then they forget what they see, then they fail to obey what the Word tells them to do. They think, they think that hearing is the same as doing, and it's not. We Christians enjoy substituting reading for doing or even talking for doing. If we are to use, how many of y'all like the people talk about evangelism all the time but never won a soul to the Lord? I've seen churches talk about missions too and never support any of them. It's not the same. It's not the same. If we are to use God's mirror profitably, then we must gaze into it carefully and with serious intent. No quick glances will do. We must examine our own hearts and lives in the light of God's Word. Now, this requires time, attention, and devotion. Five minutes with God each day will never accomplish a deep spiritual examination. Now, here's the thing. After seeing ourselves, we must remember that what we are and what God says. We must do the Word. The blessings come in doing, not in the reading of the Word. The Bible says in that last verse, it says the man was blessed in his deed when he done it. Not when he heard it, not when he read it, but when he, when he did it. Amen. The emphasis in James is on the practice of the word. Now, we are to continue what we do, what we read. We are to accomplish that in our lives. So, the word, the mirror, is for examination. Say that with me. It's for, then B, it's for restoration. All right, once we examine... Once we examine ourselves, then let's, let's pay some attention. Let's do what needs to be fixed. Let's get the comb out and get done. Let's, let's get, the, you know, get the blemishes covered. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The point of examining the issues in your life is so you can do something about it. The mirror is for examination. The mirror is for restoration. In Exodus chapter 38, I need to save some time because I only got about three minutes. Uh... Moses used the looking, the looking uh, uh, glasses of the women to build the laver. The laver was where the, uh, the water was that the high priest would wash their hands and their feet before they went in to minister. So what is the point of that? The mirror of God's word will clean you up. Y'all with me? The Bible says you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. He will purge us. We go, to, we go to him and we read God's word. He not only reveals what we are, then he will tell us what to do about it. And, and so with the, the word as a mirror is for restoration, to get cleaned up, to address the areas of our life that need attention. Then, then we see, then we see, see, it's for transformation. And this is the biggie. This is the biggie. 
<clears throat> After the Lord restores us, and this is found in 2 Corinthians. Let's just turn there real quick. We got just a minute. 2 Corinthians 3, 318. That's in your New Testament, folks. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now, it, it, it uses, it uses the, the story. Paul is writing about when Moses came down off the, the mountain. How many of y'all remember when he came down off the mountain, his face was glowing? When he was in the presence of the Shekinah glory of God, his face was glowing, so he put a veil over his face. Because as, that, as the glory faded away, Moses didn't want the people to see that glory fading away. Now, watch what it says in verse 18, 2 Corinthians 318 and not as Moses which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not see could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished but their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament which veil is done away in Christ but even unto this day when Moses is read the veil is upon their heart nevertheless when it shall turn to the Lord the veil shall be taken away now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, say amen. Watch this, verse 18. But we all, saved people in the New Covenant, New Testament, with open face beholding as in a glass or a mirror the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. In other words, when we look into the Word, we are looking into Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation... Is Jesus. Jesus in the Old Testament is Jesus is coming. In the beginning of the New Testament, Jesus is here. To the end, Jesus is coming back. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus is the theme of the Bible. He's the treasure of the Bible. He's the truth of the Bible. Everywhere you find Jesus. Amen. He is the Word. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with, hey, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? When you gaze into the Bible, you are looking into the image of Jesus Christ. Christ. And as you look into the image of Jesus Christ, you become more and more and more like him. Say amen. amen. Look what it says. As we gaze, as we look, as we study, as we read, as we meditate, we're changed into the same image. Who's the image of Christ from glory to glory. Even say amen right there. Even by the spirit of the Lord. So what happens? So what happens? When we study the Word, the Word will not only reveal who we are and what we are. It will, listen, we have an opportunity to clean up and fix the areas of our life that need to be changed. But then there comes transformation. And this is the key to the victorious Christian life. This one part right here, watch. After the Lord restores us, He wants to change us. Underline that, underline that. After the Lord restores us, he wants to change us. I saw a sign the other day that said, and I, I love it too, uh, Jesus will take you just like you are. And thank God he will. But then it said, but he won't leave you that way. Are you glad? Amen. He wants to change us so that he will, we will grow in grace and not commit that sin again. Too many Christians confess their sins, claim forgiveness, but never grow spiritually to conquer self and sin. 
Now, I'm telling you, this is the deal right here. This is the majority of churches in America and the majority of Christians today will come to God. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And we mean it. We mean it. Lord, I didn't mean to do that again. I didn't want to do that again, but I did it again. I'm sorry. And you know what? Thank God he'll forgive us. Thank God he'll wash that sin away. But, but God expects us to grow up. Yes, he will forgive us the second time and the third time and the fourth time, but he wants us to grow up so we can get victory over it and move forward in our Christian life. Are y'all with me? Listen, that happens, that happens through transformation. Listen, we need to move beyond. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3 is a discussion of the contrast between the old covenant ministry of law and the new covenant ministry of grace. The law is external written on the tables of stone. And how many of y'all know you can't control people that way? It don't work. We, we figured that out, even from the time it was given. But salvation means that God's word is written on our heart. The old covenant ministry condemned and killed. The new covenant ministry brings forgiveness and life. The glory of the law gradually disappeared. That was that image, that was that glory that was fading from his face. But the glory of God's grace becomes brighter and brighter. The law was temporary, but the new covenant of grace is eternal. Say amen. amen. Paul's illustration of this truth is Moses and his veil. When Moses came down from the mount where he met God, his face was shining. He did not want the Jews to see the glory fading away, so he put the veil to hide it. When he returned to the mount, he took off the veil, and when Jesus died, he rent the veil in the temple and removed the veil between men and God. Amen. The Old Testament prophet wore a veil to hide the fading of the glory. The New Testament believer has an unveiled face and the glory gets greater and greater. This is the way we can explain it. This is the way we can explain it. When the child of God looks into the Word of God, the glass, the mirror, the Word of God, he sees the Son of God. And he is transformed from, by the Spirit of God to share in the glory of God. The word changed in the Greek gives us the English word metamorphosis. Y'all remember uh, where it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye, be ye transformed. Same word. Same word. That means a change from the inside out. You can put rules. You can put regulations on people. You can make them cut their hair on the outside and do all this and put this clothing and that, that style dress and all this kind of stuff on it. But if you don't change the inside, it ain't going to work. And what God is saying here is if you will read this book, you will become more like Jesus and you'll be changed, not conformed. The word conform means to apply pressure to. It's what the world does to us. Have you noticed this crazy world is trying to pressure Christians into thinking the way they think? Thinking what's right is wrong and what's wrong is right and they're applying pressure. And you know what churches do the same thing? fundamentalists do the same thing you got to cut your hair like mine you got to look like this you got to do like and we're pressuring people to a form that we think is godly but what god says you quit all that you just teach the word you live the word you preach the word and the word will get down on the inside of us and you won't have to pressure people to do anything they will begin to transform from the inside out and that old ugly caterpillar will turn into a butterfly are y'all with me say amen we're over time. Stand up. Stand up. We got to quit. <laughs>